Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, welcome back to another episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. This week, it is going to be me, myself, and I, and I am going to be talking about how to evaluate your client's decision makers, or basically, how do you get to know your client, your client positioning, and develop a strategy from what you do know about your client. So without further ado, we will dig in. A little background on this, I am getting ready to do a presentation on wind themes and how to identify wind themes for APMP in June and July. And as I was going through my presentation, I stopped on a slide or a section of slides that always gets a lot of questions whenever I do this presentation in person. And I've been told multiple times that it could be its own session. And so I figured I might just try and take a stab at it in its own podcast episode. So basically, how it's outlined is getting to know your client and what you need to know about them if you're looking to win work or even just plan ahead for strategic initiatives. And how I've separated out is, number one, you're going to map your client's organization. Second is you're going to evaluate the decision makers and power players, and I'll tell you how to do that. And then third is consolidate. So consolidate their wants, their needs, their issues. Now, a fourth step you can take to this is then applying it, in this case, to win themes. But there are a few other spots where you can apply this information. And I'll just briefly go through a few of them. There are a million and two ways to do this kind of thing. This is just one way that I was taught and that I've adapted and I think is really effective. It works great for me. If it doesn't work great for you, that's okay. So first, basically, when we're looking to map a client's organization, I have found the easiest way to do it is with your standard org chart. So if you're just looking at your blank org chart, you're looking at the players and almost the decision-making structure. And while a lot of people and companies stop there, it's really beneficial to dig deeper into that org chart to see who these people are, what's really driving them. So when you're looking to map your client's organization, not only are you looking for the people's names and their titles and the reporting structure, you're going to then look to evaluate who these people are, what drives them. So when I'm doing this, I like to color code the org chart. I'll have it all set out. And then what I'm color coding by and using little symbols for is personality categories, whether or not they are a decision maker. So do they have a vote either, you know, with who gets selected for a certain proposal or even do they have a vote on on their board, for example? I'm also looking to see if they're influencers, if we know that they are just really capable of influencing the decisions of a group. And With that being said, their level of influence. Some people wield more influence, even if they're not necessarily a decision maker, if they don't get a vote. So 
The personality categories that I have found are really, really good to use is looking at if someone is a driver, expressive, amiable, or analytical. Now, the reason that I think this is so successful is because it's really easy to figure out where someone falls on this without having to know them super well or without them having to complete their own personality assessment for you to then read. Like, we're never going to be able to send our clients a, a personality test for them to then fill out for us. So I like this because you can pretty well figure out or guess where your clients or where the people at your clients' organizations fall here. So when we're looking at drivers, they are objective focused. They really know what they want and they know how to get there. They communicate quickly. They get to the point. They can sometimes seem a bit tactless or direct is another word. They can be very like ends justify the means type of person. They're really hardworking, really high energy. And the most important thing here is that they do not shy away from conflict. So if there's disagreement, they're there for it, right? In contrast, you have the expressives, right? So these are natural storytellers or natural, I'm going to use salespeople in quotes because I think that has a bit of a negative connotation, but they are exactly what they sound like. They're very expressive. They know how to express themselves. They're warm. They're enthusiastic. They're really good motivators. They're excellent communicators. They're relationship extroverts. They can be competitive. They can tend to exaggerate, as you know, most storytellers do, and they can leave out facts and details. They're really sort of driven from the heart when they're talking. They sometimes would rather talk about things than actually do them. So those are your expressives. We, we know them. We love them. We might be one of them. Then we have the amiables. Amiables are kind-hearted people who avoid conflict. So you can already see here what might happen if you have a driver and an amiable on the selection committee. They can blend in with any situation really well. They care about the group. Like they, they want to make sure everyone is getting along. Everyone is gelling. They're here for group decisions. Um, they can appear a bit wishy-washy. They sort of stay right in the middle of issues. And they have difficulty making firm decisions, whereas the driver will just make the decision and not think twice. They can be quiet and soft-spoken. They don't necessarily have to be. They can be very gregarious. It's mainly when you're looking at an amiable, you're sort of looking at their approach to conflict and disagreement in terms of making a decision. Then you have the analyticals. These are highly detail-oriented people, and you will see a lot of these people when you're dealing with a selection committee that's comprised of engineers, for example. They can also have a difficult time making decisions if they don't have all of the facts or if whoever's presenting information to them is leaving out facts or if they're too wishy-washy, then an analytical person just cannot make a decision. They, again, they're great engineers they're great accountants, for example, if you have someone on your committee who's like a CFO or in charge of finances, chances are if they're good at their job, they're probably going to be analytical. They can seem a bit pessimistic in nature. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are, but they're just so 
keen to get all the details that they will poke holes in an argument until they can find all of the information that they need. And they pick up on things. So they're, they're looking for details even in tiny interactions. So you've got your drivers, expressives, amiables, and analyticals. And if you know people within your client's organization well enough, you're going to be able to pretty well decide how these people fall into these categories. Now, that's not to say that one person is going to be so clearly a driver. Like there, there is overlap here. You just have to pick sort of their more dominant personality or the personality that they employ the most when they're in business settings, right? Because that's where we're sort of taking the stance from is we want to know how they make decisions in a business setting. So you have your client's organization. You assign all of these different personality categories a color. This is just how I like to do it again. And you color in your org chart based on those people. Then what you would do is you'd you'd have their names, you'd have their positions, you'd have their hierarchy. And then you're going to star or circle or do whatever you want to mark who the decision makers are. So who do you think actually has a vote here? Then you are going to also mark who you think your influencers are. And your influencers are probably going to be those drivers or the expressives. They may not necessarily have a vote, but they could influence a vote, right? So then when you're looking at these decision makers, these influencers, what you want to then determine is what is their level of influence? I go on a scale of one to five. You can do one to 10, whatever works for you. And just go through your list of clients and decide, okay, is this person, you know, people listen to what they say, but like don't make decisions off of it? Or does this person make what they want really, really well known to the group and can sort of push people a certain direction? If you have someone who's maybe analytical, right, and they're, they're looking for all the details, but people within the organization really, really respect this person. Maybe they're really well known in the industry. So their level of influence, even though they're analytical, may be a five. So when you're looking at that, and maybe they're a decision maker, right? You want to say, okay, what does this person need from us to feel good about a decision to select us or to do business with us? So that takes me to the next point, which is what matters to these people? So after you've identified their personality categories, who the decision makers are, who the influencers are, what their level of influence is, you know, across your decision makers, influencers, anyone else in the organization who might have some level of influence, then you want to say, okay, what do they care about? So if I have a director who is an influencer, but, you know, may not be an actual decision maker, but I know that she cares a lot about schedule. She cares about cost. She cares about impact to the community. I'm going to list all of those things out about like their their pain points or their drivers or what's what's really getting them to push harder for one consultant over another. And I'm going to do that all the way down. And then 
I'm going to take that list of things that each of these people care about, and I'm going to see where are the common threads. So when I do this, again, you can do it a different way if it makes more sense to you, is I will set up a table and I'll have the consolidated client issues, which again, these are just examples, schedule, community, cost, regulatory or regulations. That'll be on my, let's go back to high school here, my why. (laughs) So on on the far side, And then at the very top of the table, I'll have all of my decision makers or influencers. And I'll just put like a little X in the box of stuff that they care about. And that will help me see, okay, schedule is a really big deal to this group across the board. So when I'm looking to either create win themes or to know what messages I need to put in front of my client for marketing materials, or if I'm sending out my BD person to an event where this person is going to be at, I know that I really need to focus in on schedule. Let's say, you know, all but one of them really cares about community. Well, that's probably another one I definitely need to hit on. So you can take all of these client issues, consolidate them, and sort of figure out where do you stand in relation to these issues and how can you craft your differentiators or your win themes around these issues so that it's hitting the hot topics for the majority of the group. Now, the last thing that I'll say is this can be applied in a number of ways. You can use this during pre-positioning, which I highly recommend you do as, you know, with any win theme, it's better to do before your RFP comes out. You can do this during your kickoff calls. Let's say you didn't get to be involved in the pre-positioning efforts or something happened. Life doesn't always work perfectly in these scenarios. This is a good chance to bring this sort of thing to the surface or to revisit it if you've already been doing some work or let's say there was turnover within the client's organization. Always good to refresh this. You can also do this when you're looking to develop a a year-long or two, three-year-long strategy with a client. So if you have key client accounts, this is something good to just do every single year or however often you update your strategy for, you know, specific high-level clients to figure out what you need to talk about with these clients and what you need to hit on. You can take that a step further by also mapping out, you know, not only the person, not only their personality, but who knows them within your organization, like who has a relationship with this person and where they fall in terms of like being a promoter of your company or, you know, what do they think about your company? Do they do they not think very highly of your company and how do you change that? Are they an advocate of your company and how do you lean into that and sort of put that person in front of other decision makers at the organization? There's a bunch of different ways that you can use this information, but it's always really, really great info to have. So I hope this was helpful. Again, it's something that every single time I go through this, I always get loads of questions. So I figured I might just try and dive in deeper If anyone wants a deeper dive on this, please shoot me a note and let me know and I will elaborate further. 
With that said, thank you so much for listening today. I know it was just me. So again, I hope you enjoyed it. New episodes are released every other Wednesday and we will chat soon.